Let's do it. Okay, wonderful. Um, so hello to everybody at Coast Community. I'm not sure exactly when you're going to be listening to this or watching this, uh, whether that's um, walking along the beach or driving in the car or maybe sitting in your lounge room. Uh, welcome, everybody. We're doing something a little bit different today, and I'm really excited and I'm honoured to have one of my professors from Fuller Seminary join us today. So this is Dr. Frank Hankins. Welcome, Frank. Thank you much. Good to see everybody or be with all of you today. Frank is an affiliate assistant professor at uh, a professor of leadership at Fuller Seminary in the US. And I was luckily, uh, lucky enough to take one of Frank's classes two years ago, two and a bit years ago, mm -hmm. something like that. Would have been values, values-based leadership in New Testament. Yes, it was. So Frank lives in beautiful Colorado Springs. That's a place that I know very well. And he holds an MA in theology, an MA in cross-cultural studies, uh, a D-min from Fuller, and a BA in theology from Vanguard, and served for 21 years in Central America. Is that right? Uh, Latin America. Latin America. South yep. America mainly. Yes, in Ecuador. Ecuador. Ecuador and beyond in, in, in the Latin American region in leadership development work. And have also been teaching, speaking, mentoring leaders and, and missionaries uh, throughout that time until now around the world. Yes. And more recently, Frank has invited me to be a part of a, store, a small study group. Um, and there's a number of international leaders on, on this group called Charcoal Fire. Do you want mm. to tell us a little bit about that? What was the, what was the inspiration for that? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, just a few years ago, over 10 years ago, actually, I was uh, on a camping trip with the family. And it was a time that I was getting ready for a sabbatical. And at that moment, on the morning of our camping trip, I was the first one to wake up and all the rest of the family, my daughters and their husbands and the boyfriends who are all with us. And all of a sudden, about 6 a.m., I'm lighting, lighting the, the fire for the campfire because it was very cold in the mountains of Colorado. And I'm lighting the fire and all of a sudden, I heard the voice of the Lord whisper, come and have breakfast. So it was, it was a time that I was really tired and, and I needed sabbatical, I needed rest. And it was as if that space there around the campfire became a, a thin place, mm. as they say in, uh, in Celtic uh, Christianity, a thin place where the veil between earth and heaven is very porous, a very thin, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, God is there, and I hear the whisper. So uh, that passage led me to an understanding of the charcoal fire that Jesus lights. Yeah. So my fire became uh, the fire that Jesus lights and invites Peter to this breakfast. And then Peter, in the presence of six other friends, uh, they uh, encounter the presence of Jesus. 
So the idea of charcoal fire is a gathering of friends mm. where we encounter Jesus together, speaking into our formative stories, uh, openly sharing our lives, living uh, together as a group with unveiled faces mm. as we share our lives together. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture there um, from John 21. John chapter 21, yes. Um, and certainly for me, like it's a real honour to be a part of that of that little group. And and significantly, we we are ex- we are exploring the writings of John, Gospel of John, um, yes. and his and his letters, which is a which is a nice little connection for for today. Um, there there is something that 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 we all love about about John about John's understanding of his relationship with the Son of God. And and something that it, I, I guess in a way that we that that we each aspire to just that intimacy and that we would understand ourselves as the ones that that Jesus loves. So let let's jump in. We're going to be looking at John seventeen and at the last the last handful of verses. And so this is the high priestly prayer. And so Frank, we've been looking at this as a congregation for the last two weeks so two weeks ago we looked at you know the the opening five verses um and then last last week we looked at that that big chunk in the middle and now jesus changes tack a little bit in in his requests to his father in the final six verses so i might read those and and then i'm going to ask you to orient us a little bit in in that scene so i am reading from from the esv So here's Jesus and praying to his father. And he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, father, in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I'll continue to make it known, the love that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Help us out, Frank. <laughs> what what's going on here? What is Jesus? pleading his father for yeah just such a inviting passage it's uh, and jesus inviting us into this experience and i was just thinking that as, as you've gone through the first two main passages in the in the, in the chapter the first five verses and the other bulk of past uh, verses and now this that there's that jesus with the father and then he prays for the disciples and then now 
this part opens it up to all of us. It is as if we today were invited into this place of prayer <laughs> and we can hear Jesus praying with and for us. And so all that, is hap that has happened before in the, the experience of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, the Trinity, uh, that they share together, the glory that's shared, uh, the uh, the sense of, I'm not sure if you've talked with your, with our with our friends and uh, our our sisters and brothers there at the church about the perichoresis experience of the Trinity, the the dance of love, right? We have, yeah. Oh yes, okay. So there's that dance of love between between Jesus and the Father, and uh, he brings the disciples into it. And now he invites all of us into it. And so earlier, there's all of this giving to giving to the father and the father giving to the son and giving mm -hmm. to the disciples. And now it comes full circle to us that uh, Jesus wants us to, to come into this experience of uh, being invited into relationships. Mm -hmm. A relationship with him, uh, you know, where there's that mutual indwelling, uh, he in us and we in him, the Trinity in us and we in, in the Trinity. And then there's the experience of sharing that together as, as a group, as a community. So there's uh, the, the, the dance of love is about uh, a deference one for the other. Yes. And yeah, delight in one another, and uh, uh, yeah, mutual uh, in, uh, recognition, uh, interdependence, mutuality, and so as Jesus prays, he invites us into that that kind of unity, not just unity that we're in the same place, or not just unity that you know we're. Uh, we need to overcome all of these different uh, sure. divisions with our with our different movements and denominations. But he invites us to experience the kind of unity that the Trinity births among us. That mm -hmm. invites us into that sense of mutuality and deference, one for the other, and mutuality and and uh, all of those kinds of things. So, that, so it's, it it's lovely. It, it is beautiful and it, and it's like it's too big for our our minds to bear it isn't it you know that yes. there, there is this notion that there is some perfect society some perfect community um that that it, it exists beyond within transcends time space and matter yeah and, and it is the the ultimate way of being together the ultimate notion of community and and society and and the kind of unity that is ultimate that exists within that that eternal society that's what's being that what we are being invited into to participate yes. in and any it's almost any any other kind of unity that we would pursue like you say um is substandard to that yeah. to that ultimate <laughs> community yeah um yeah. and we can try very very hard and we ought to 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 be within in, in unity but this is something beyond yeah that. this is something yeah. beyond just trying really hard to get along 
and yeah, we we can't man manufacture it or fabricate it. It we're invited into it to mm. to experience it, shared with us, and and we can we can walk in it because of the glory of Christ that's been revealed mm -hmm. among us. You know, the the presence of a, a Father, Son, and Spirit. Mm. We're invited to live into that experience of so, oneness with the other. So glory is an idea that's threaded throughout this prayer. Yeah. So Jesus started off with that in, in those first five verses. Um, you know, like now, now's the time, Father, glorify your son. And so there, there is this notion of this reciprocal glory yes. um, between, between father and, and son. Um, and so now in verse 22, Jesus says, the glory that you've given me, I've given to them. Yes. So I like I can I can have an understanding that there is there's this reciprocal glory between father and son, and that is some of the perichoresis that, yeah. that you're talking about. This this ongoing and eternal, exhaustive, loving deference to one another. Yeah. How 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 are we glorified in this? Why would the son say? Now I've I've given my glory to them. And what's the relationship between glory and oneness? Yeah. Well, I think the for me the the idea of glory is is that it is the capacity, it is the it is the charism, it is the giftedness, it is the the enablement to be able to to step into this kind of experience of of oneness. Mm. So the the very presence of Jesus, it's enabling that glory uh, coming into uh, vessels of our, our uh, uh, of clay, you know, the clay pots. The treasure comes into us, and then we're enabled to step into this. So, like, it's like the paradox of the Christian life. Like, it's it's a gift and it's effort. Yeah, you know, it's both of these things. Um. So I, I, I know, or at least this is, this is what I understand, yeah. um, that, that Frank, that you have received glory and, and that, that, that my brothers and sisters and, and those that I would really struggle to call my brothers and sisters have received glory. Yeah. Um, and it's a gift. And that yet, and yet there's also an invitation that I need to be stepping in, stepping into yeah. this. What? How, how do we do that as the body, do you think? What, what does that require of us, this, this paradox of, yeah. of gift and effort and my brothers and sisters, you know, we've all been received this, this glory. What do we do with that? Yeah, I'm thinking about Ephesians chapter 4, the early verses. I think it's verses 4 through 6. And uh, Paul begins to talk about all the unity that, that is there, that is a gift to us. And, but then he gets to the place in that passage where he says, make every effort. Yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, based on all of the glory that that enables and, and that uh, makes you, you know, able to step into this. But there's still the the act of making space to, lay, to make it happen as, you know, Henry now and always talked about making space for God through spiritual disciplines. So there's that part of it. There's the effort that that comes. And for me, 
the making the effort would be in uh, learning to pay attention. So what paying attention, what would that be in terms of, of oneness and living into uh, that with my uh, sisters and brothers uh, that's being able to pay attention to having some self-awareness about where I'm not so much uh, reflective or reflecting or mirror, mirroring uh, the, uh, the unity of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, there's self-awareness that can grow, but there's, you know, they're paying attention and then others in our experience, one with the other, we've, we find out where we uh, are not living into it yes. through the uh, different experiences that we have with each other. Mm. You know, we, we come away with some conflict and we realize that, yeah, it might be that my sister or my brother was not, um, not responding well to God, but where, where was that place where I wasn't as well? Mm. So mm. the paying attention part comes into play i think i think i think too recognizing then like there's some there's something that must be desperately meaningful that that this is what jesus is asking that what what he's interceding on our behalf for he's interceding for unity he's interceding for oneness it's like if out of all of the things that he could have interceded for this is what he picked he picked yeah. oneness. He picked unity. He picked inclusion with, with within the divine life. Yeah. So we can have full confidence that the that the end that the energy of Father, Son, and Spirit mm. in, in us and in one another is toward unity. Yeah. And so in the in the midst of disintegration, that disintegrating mm-hmm. efforts of the enemy, yeah. we can we can have full confidence that that the end that the energy of the divine life is towards towards unity yeah that's not something we need to manufacture or conjure up or we're stepping into something that is that is already inexorably being thrust toward yes oneness and i know and then you're making me remember also that that this passage is not just uh you know as the scripture says that jesus prays for us and so it's not what we're seeing in here we're being invited into the prayer of jesus yeah but it's not just a prayer that he prayed at that time in john 17 but you know it's it's an ongoing prayer that you know that also brings in enablement Mm. you know into us uh, to be able to step into these things that's a wonderful thought isn't it yeah yes That, that 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 in the midst of everything else the son, son of God is interceding for us. Yeah. And declaring and asking for, for oneness. Yeah. Um, what, what, does, what does this mean for the church, do you, do you think? It's a big question. <laughs> yes. What does it mean for the body, like, like locally, globally? Well, I, yeah, I, I, I was just, my mind was going on to, what does it mean for the mission of Christ? Yeah, good. Yep. Yeah, be, because the uh, the mission of Christ, um, and to be able to mirror who Jesus is to the world around us in real, real ways and in in a different things in our lives and experiences, so that the body of Christ we are mirroring mm. this this life of 
of the Trinity to people around us. Yeah, so my, my mind went a little bit further on beyond the, the local church, but yep. yes. But it is, so it is, it is the local church mirroring the, yes. divine, the divine life of Father, Son, and Spirit. Right. And that, it's like that's our main job. Yes. Our main job is to, is to mirror that perichoretic mutual dance of, of love. And it's interesting yes. in, in this passage, Jesus says twice, mm -hmm. um, this is how the world's going to believe. Yeah. That, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. 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 So, so keep talking about that then. So, so mission, help, help yeah. us to frame mission in this term, the mission of God. What's, what's the mission of God? How, how does this, how does this idea connect in with, with the mission of yeah. God? Yeah, the, the mission of God to, to reveal the love of God, uh, you know, it is, it, it is mirrored in, in through the church. The church becomes a, yeah, an, a, a participant to, to mirror this to the world. So it's not, just a, it's not just a message. It's not just words. Yeah. But we embody, we embody that message. Uh, you know, with acts and deeds. Um, so it's the miss, the mission of God, the missio dei is the Latin, you know, is, is not just, not just evangelism, but mm. justice and other acts um, that, uh, yeah, advocacy and other kinds of things that mm. uh, needs that were the manifest, the manifest, the mission of Christ becomes manifest through those that are uh, walking with them, participating with them and mirroring this mm. perichoretic life that, mm. that we're talking about. Mm. It, it does seem as though like some somewhere in the last, I don't know, 150, 200 years or so, this idea of mission um, suffered the same kind of reductionism as many aspects of our faith. Yes. And, and, and focused on, um, evangelism and right. even then a very reduced propositional yeah. gospel um, and and so there's been there's been quite a significant Protestant effort over the last however many hundred of year, hundreds of years um, in Australia we, we know we're, we're in our eighth decade decade of decline in the church mm. wow. and and perhaps it's that may have coincided at least maybe with the first number of those decades with probably some of the most concerted evangelistic efforts have been during that time. And yet somehow the world doesn't know. So the effort increased, but the effectiveness. It looks like uh, it decreased. Well, at least, at least in our context, in that Western Protestant evangelical context, context there might have been like some ramping up in in evangelical effort mission yeah um but not necessarily seeing seeing growth in the church or, or not seeing growth in the church which has to lead me and probably many others to um to, to look at our witness of unity yeah <laughs> yeah I, i've often now and then I think about what would it be like if we, 
you know, all of the different ministries and programs and processes that we have in our churches, if we just, just stall, you know, put them on pause for a moment and went into some of these passages like this and, mm. and say, what would it mean to live mission from, from John 17? Wow. <laughs> so we, we let the, the stories, you know, of, of John 17, the, the passage uh, and other places in the gospels, we let them inform our, our mm. tactics and strategy and our, the, you know, the, how we do things. I, I think, it just it just seems to me that, that things would be deepened mm. and uh, moved beyond superficiality, yep. you know, and then transactional kinds of ways of doing evangelism. You do this and you get that, and yep. instead of being transformative and things. Yeah, and so my my mind goes to great commandment, great commission. Yeah. And I can see the great commandment threaded through just these few lines here. Yes. And so we, we see that it is loving God and loving others and being loved yeah. by God and being loved by others um, that, that we see here. And this is the dynamic by which the world will know. Yeah. And this is also the evidence of being a disciple. This is how the world will know that you're my disciples. If you're functioning within this, this dynamic of unity. Yeah. And so then the Great Commission, to think that the Great Commission is, is to simply go and, and, and sell a proposition of salvation yeah, totally misses the fact that what we are to exemplify as mission yeah. is this triune life. Yeah. What if we were to do mission from John 17? Yeah. Well, Embodiment and mirroring this uh, whole experience yes mm, that's a lovely idea and, <laughs> yeah. and, and completely obvious right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah to restate the obvious who was yep. it that said that the first duty of uh, intelligent people is to restate the obvious yes yep <laughs> let's let's do that um where where is the one one of the verses that he that is said that uh, even even just verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Yeah. That's us. Yeah. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, yeah. are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Yeah. It's mission. It's mission. It's the Christian life. It's mission. Um. And 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 our own our own salvation and transformation. Yeah. That we we may be one in that divine life. Yeah. Father and Son. It's too big. It's too big. Yeah. It's this is the place that spiritual formation begins here. Also, that's the whole other topic that could be from this passage or the whole perichoresis experience. That's where spiritual formation begins. And it's revolutionizing my experience of, uh, of spiritual formation to begin with, with uh, the perichoresis and not begin with effort. Not that I'm setting aside effort. Yes. But uh, it, it begins with this. 
Tell me more. This glory, you know, the glory party yep. and coming back around to that. Yep. Yep. Um, it is a wonderful thing to think that we have been given this, this gift, this gift of, of, of glory. And that as we would participate in that divine life that we are formed, and not only as we participate in that divine life, it's precisely through that, that, that visible relational dynamic that the world would know that the world is invited into that, to that dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, Frank, any, any final comments, encouragements, pearls? Um, yeah, from the passage. Uh, I think I've pretty much shared all that I was thinking about as <laughs> Beautiful. we read the passage for today. Beautiful. I've been sitting in this passage for a few days now. So, yeah. yeah. Can, I, can I ask that you might pray for, for our church family, Coast, Coast Community Church? Coast um, Community Church. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Could you do that? Yes. Father, I join with my friend and I join with my friends at Coast Community. I join with my sisters and brothers and at Coast Community. And I, I pray, Father, that, that you, would, um, you would grace and gift this church and its leaders. And uh, Jeff, as a pastor, I pray for grace upon each of them. And I pray that the experience of, uh, of your glory would rest upon this church. Um, as, as your word says in another place, the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover as the waters cover the sea. So would you be revealing your glory, Lord, in the midst of the lives of my friends and a uh, Lord with uh, any, uh, the struggles with disintegration and misunderstandings and um, different uh, conf conflicts that could be there with, with, uh, with one another. I just pray that your grace and you, your glory would come and that my brothers and sisters would know how to, to rest in your grace. In, in your glory, to live into this oneness and this experience of knowing uh, you, uh, to, be, to be known by you, but also to know you experientially, to uh, live into that and to, and to delight in that and to, uh, and to enjoy that together. I pray for grace upon them. I pray for the, for the mission of the church within its uh, context, within the city and within the, the neighborhoods. Lord, that your grace be made known through, through uh, Coast Community as each one in their vocations, in their offices and in their uh, places of uh, calling, would, you would make yourself known. And as they are together, that you would make yourself known in community, not just at, through individuals. Make yourself known through this church, I pray. Thanks for my friendship with Jeff. And I bless and uh, pray that your grace upon his pastoring 
of these friends. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Frank. Bless you. Yes. Appreciate that time so much. Um, it's been great to talk with you, Jeff. For everybody watching on, I hope that that was uh, helpful. I hope you you got to see a little bit of um, of, of Frank's deep love of of Jesus and he, his his love of John as well, and the way that John just captures something so beautiful of Father, Son, mm. and Spirit. And so, I hope that this has been really really helpful to you. Um, bye for now. Great to see everybody.